I just want to put out a little content warning before we begin today's episode. Sparklesid got a little filthy during today's episode, so if you're offended by foul language, please skip this episode until next week. If the idea still turns you on, darling, keep calm and carry on. Enjoy! Hey kitty girls! Welcome to another episode of Super Funkin' Serious with Sparkle Sid. That's me! Today we dive into all things drag, but most notably the reality TV competition show RuPaul's Drag Race, currently on VH1. The show has grown in popularity since its season 1 filter, hasn't it? The show is everywhere. It has commanded various spin-offs, live shows, and a community of super fans that religiously watch the show and attend meet and greets with their favorite contestants. Recently, the show has experienced backlash about its approach to gender identity and transgender expression on the show. Despite all these problems, I still love the show. I watch it religiously with friends to this very day. Joining me in this love-hate journey is Sarah Jameson, a drag performer living in St. Louis, Missouri. Locals know her as the skinny spitch in showbiz, Helena Handbag. As someone who has seen how far they have come creatively, I cannot be excited for the changes that are currently happening in her life. Follow along with her journey on her YouTube channel listed in the show notes below. Also, if you are listening to this episode on its launch date, you can watch them read the script for the Disney Pixar film Inside Out, which I am personally excited for as a Disney fan. That is coming up on September 26, 2020 at 7 p.m. Central Time. Link in show notes. On this episode, we talk about our favorite moments on the show, controversies surrounding the show after its mainstream success, the importance of supporting your local drag communities, and much, much more. Enjoy, darlings and gal pals. In the words of RuPaul, you better work. Before we begin, I would like to dedicate this episode in the memory of drag race legend Chi-Chi Devane, who passed away the day of recording this episode. She was one of Sarah and I's favorite queens who fostered the show's fan community in such an authentic way. Chi-Chi, this one's for you. Hiya, darlings and gal pals, it's Sparkle Sid once more. Today, I am talking about RuPaul's Drag Race with Sarah Jameson. Hello, Sarah, how are you? I'm good, Sid. How are you? <laughs> Doing very well. It's been a pretty decent day with full of wearing scarves and, you know, just chit-chat. You know, the usual. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Sarah, I brought you on um, to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race because when we used to date, let's put that out there, yeah. uh, that yes, was one of the first yes. pieces of media that <laughs> that mm-hmm. was one of the first pieces of media that we kind of bonded over and watched Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get you on because um I see you actively participating in the drag in in uh in the drag race fan communities and stuff like that so I thought you'd be a perfect person for that um so for those who don't know who you are can you uh tell us a little bit about who you are what you're up to these days and what kind of creative stuff you want to push of course um so My name is Sarah Jameson. I'm 32, and for the past 10 years, which is crazy, it's been 10 years already, um, I've been doing drag under the name Helena Handbag uh, here in the great city of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Started doing college shows and then eventually doing amateur competitions, working my way up the ladder. Semi-regularly booked, uh, was hosting RuPaul's Drag Race, watch parties for a hot minute, and... I'm the eldest daughter of the House of Effort, and we're kind of doing our own format thing as well. We're doing, 
we did one show pre-COVID and we're trying to do another di digitally as well. So, and just kind of, just kind of evolving my art, learning to kind of adjust to digital and learning how to do drag in a green screen age, I guess. Mm -hmm. How's that, how's that going for you? Are you getting a lot of uh, interest in the digital drag shows? Um, so when I, when we, when, when the pandemic first started, I was doing a few shows on my Instagram, uh, account. We would just, we would bring people on through Instagram. We would do that. And I mean, the interest is still there. I just wish the coin was there a little bit more and I get it. It's a pandemic. It's a recession. It's not a great time for anybody, but at the same time, we can't be putting this, this effort in and not getting a little bit, a little bit of cheddar cheese for it. But I will say I've, I've learned to reduce my number of bookings, even though, you know, I haven't been in, in a club in God, six, almost six months at this point. And I'm doing like one show a month with a team that is socially distant. Uh, they, they, they film everything, they edit every, everything together. I've kind of just learned to be the talent. So. And it's, 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 it's a learning curve, but it's something that I'm actually enjoying a lot. Cause like my drag's changed a lot in the last 10 years. And this year, especially it really, it's really shifted to a point where it's like, I'm okay doing like one or two shows a month. I really am. That's awesome. I'm, I'm so, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. Cause I remember like seeing the earlier beginnings of Helena handbag and just seeing where you've come. And um, I forgot about the house of effort when you mentioned that I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. She's, she's in this house now. And like, she's, she's going places now. <laughs> I, 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 don't so I don't know about going places. I don't know about going places, but you know, you know, hashtag we trying. So <laughs> yeah. you know, we are only, we only have to do our best. We are national treasures to this world, but it, we can only do so much with what we have. Mm -hmm. And we have right. to use the tools to motivate and educate. So um, mm -hmm. it's it's great to see that you're still doing that because it's a great creative outlet for you to work on and stuff like that. Speaking of drag, let's should we talk about RuPaul's Drag Race? Let's might do as well, right? Um, yes. <laughs> so um, so Sarah, tell me about um, the show itself, the main premise of it, and kind of like if you uh, of your knowledge what how it developed earlier on, I guess, and when you got from attached what, to it. <laughs> okay, so from what I know in terms of, uh, for those who have never ever watched an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race, it's very much like, the best description I can make for it is that it's like if America's Next Top Model and Project Runway had a baby with drag queens, it's very much like that kind of formatted show. Uh, we start, every season starts off with a certain number of drag queens. Um, the highest it's been is 15. The lowest has been, I want to say nine in the first season. Uh, but mm. every week there's, 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 there's a new challenge, whether it's design, acting, um, trying to think, uh, snatch game, which is parody of the match game, uh, trying to think anything else, makeover challenges. It's pretty much any of those things. Uh, there's always a winner. There's always the bottom two. The bottom two end up end up end up having to lip sync for their life. Sometimes there's more people in the bottom than two. Uh, but and then one queen will sashay away. One queen will chante and stay. And then at the, at the very end of the season, the, the the top three or four queens will compete for the grand prize. And the way that's happened has evolved over time as well used to be recording a single to promote RuPaul's music, which Ru isn't really doing anymore. Then it became kind of 
let's have Lucian Ruse, then producer, write a song for them. And that's not happening anymore. And then it became a lip sync for The Crown. And that's the current format uh, of the show. And in terms of like production, if memory serves, like early 2000s, Rue was trying to shop this around with uh, Fenton Bailey and, um, oh God, what's the other producer's name? That guy. Oh, Randy Barbado. Um, uh, is Fenton the, the, Brit- the British guy, Randy, the non-British guy? Yeah, Randy, Bar- Randy Barbado or Bar- Barbado, whatever his name is. Yes. Uh, yeah, World of Wonder was trying to shop it around and... We went through a number of iterations, if I recall, uh, from what I know, like reading Entertainment Weekly when they when they talk about the information and everything. And it, at that at the time in the early two thousands, no one wanted to see drag on TV. Really, no one wanted to see drag queens competing on reality TV. And it was only through the grace of Logo that they gave it a shot. And that's how season one in two thousand eight two thousand nine came about. And that's actually. I didn't watch the first season when it aired, but um, I was in my sophomore year of college and a bunch of my friends in the LGBTQ Alliance were saying, you need to watch this. It's really incredible. And I watched it all on Logo's website. You didn't need cable. You didn't need a cable subscription at the time. That's how dated this is. Um, And from there, I was just... I was hooked. I lo- I never really had seen drag outside of like a Mrs. Doubtfire or a Nutcracker kind of thing. And like, I just, something about it just spoke to me and I just was watching every season. I became obsessed. My former co-host on the watch parties calls me the Rain Man of Drag. And I'd like to think that's kind of basically true. <laughs> yeah, that's a really great background. I, I mean, I kind of had an idea, but that that's very insightful for you know, I think they were trying to fashion it after a previous show they did, and no really people know about what World of Wonder did. They did a show with Walter Mercado, which it kind of yes, funny because there was someone that did Walter Mercado, Alexis. Oh my Mateo. god! Yeah, Alexis did right. Mateo. Yes, on yeah. All Stars Five. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's almost like a full circle moment. Like they kind of fashioned it out after that. They're trying to find the next best psychic. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, let's just change it and put drag queens on yes. instead and see what happens. Correct. And. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting background. And the fact that if they called the first season the lost season is really bizarre because it's just because yes. the format was different. And I think the camera angles and the runway were different, which gives it a different feel. But mm-hmm. I don't get why they would try to admit that in the, in the canon history of Drag Race, especially now that it's I've... become the massive thing that it has. There's a lot of theories going, there's a lot of theories that went around back in the day of why it was called the lost season. There was rumors it was something about the Beyonce freaking dress lip sync that they didn't have the rights for it and they aired it. There's rumors that Rue did not own the rights to Supermodel, which is, I, I don't get how you don't own, own a song, like own the rights to a song that you've sang. I get there's producers and everything, but like, that's the one that like threw me. And then like, it only became available recently to watch again when Bibi Sahara Benet was on All Stars 3 and her interest was peaked like within the first two weeks and then iTunes and uh, Amazon put it back up for sale. And I got to finally actually buy it instead of having my bootleg copies on my thumb drive. Yeah, that's um, yeah, it's just really interesting because especially people always laugh about the RuPaul filter, <laughs> the you know the blurriness yeah. they made to like like almost smear mask Vaseline on the lens to make her look like beautiful yeah. again. And um, I just think it's really bizarre. Now we're in high definition; she can't run from that. So I guess that I guess that's but now there- we are seeing RuPaul's true colors, which we'll talk about in a little bit later. 
Yeah. Um, I, I mean, things like, we don't have like the season one filter, but there's that rumor and there's that joke that like, that they're blurring like her wig line, allegedly. Like Willem has pointed that out apparently on a couple episodes of Race Chaser. And I'm like, and after like, I, after she pointed out, I was like, they're not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I actually never thought about that. But I mean, of course, there's lots of things you have to hide. So that's probably one of them. And especially if your face is being showing, you have to being shown, you have to actually, you know, do something to hide that. So it's right. really bizarre. But um, the great thing about the show, it's produced some really amazing content, lots of great moments, mm -hmm. lots of great queens. Are there any queens that stand out in your mind? Uh, well, I'm going to set, but, but before I go fangirl on this, I will say that like part of the reason, and, and we'll talk about this more as we delve into the history and things of the, of that nature with this show. Um, I, 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 at this point I'm still watching and I'm really watching because, you know, being in the drag scene, it's really a treat when you have friends get on. So it's been really cool to see like, First of all, all my Missouri, all my Missouri girls that have gotten on. Um, I've known Monique Hart since 2014. Seeing her get on was like just so beautiful to see the world experience the girl that I've known for almost seven years at this point, and she's just as crazy as the day I met her. Uh, Widow Von Du this past season's another one that I've seen, and I and like when I heard the rumors that she was cast, I'm like, y'all are gonna die. I have not met Crystal, but a lot of my friends have taught have performed with crystal method and nothing but praise for her and then you have my and then you have like um nina west who i've known for years i've seen her perform in columbus um we ran into each other a couple times at DragCon, and seeing her try to get on the show for 11 years and like getting to see her actually be on the show succeed win miss congeniality i was literally just like i was so proud and then in terms of like favorites that I really fangirl over that I'm not like intimately associated with. My be all end all is Sasha Velour. Sasha Velour takes drag to a place that like I think we really need today and it's different from like the standard of drag that I grew up with. Um, if I had to do a top three I'd probably say it's Sasha Velour, Alaska, and uh, Alaska for because I keep getting compared to her I, it's, I don't know what it is. I think it's because until I started my hormones, we used to have very angular jaws and everything. And in drag, I apparently look like her. So I guess. Hmm. And um, yeah. And I, I, I just, her sense, her sense of humor is so irreverent and I love it. And she's just, she's purposefully stupid. She's very smart and she's very inclusive and I love her for that. But I just, I love Alaska as a character. And then uh, in terms of a third for the top three, it's a, I can't split. I have to split. Um, Shea Coulee, because Shea Coulee, that's the tweet. <laughs> and I mean, I just... Love her. Yeah, get, she was the first Rue girl that I performed with. And this was two days after the season nine finale where she did not win the crown. And we weren't really sure, sure how she was going to be. And I was very... I was so impressed. I was literally like, just... I was starstruck and... There's so many circumstances with that story. It's so crazy. And the other one's Chad Michaels because Chad's my fairy drag mother. Chad keeps it. Chad keeps tabs on my drag, and it's very humbling because someone who has conquered the world is still actively lifting the, these newbies up, myself included. So, yeah, those are my faves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
And that's great that you touched on the ones that are encouraging to the fan communities to they're they're really close with them rather than being those that are kind of like acting like celebrities where they pretend like their fans are just there to take pictures with them and pay the money for the meet and greets and stuff like that when they go to clubs. So the fact that you touched on that, that there's actually still queens out there that even if they gain the success from a major popular TV show, that they are actually using their Mm -hmm. uh, popularity to leverage good in the world, or at least they're trying in their, with their Mm -hmm. medium. And I really appreciate that you touched upon that. It reminds me when you mentioned your favorite queens, do you remember when we saw Jujubee? How funny she was when she when it was, it was like really hot that day. There was yes. no air conditioning, and she like got no. out there on the mic and was just like, "Y'all don't believe in air conditioning." I've loved yes. her since, ever since. She's one of my top favorites. <laughs> um, I I have to say, like people like this past season for All Stars Five, I was noticing some of my friends be like, "Where where, where was this Jujubee on All Stars One and All and Season 2 I'm like, "Y'all, I've known about this for ten years. Like she's this." She's just naturally right. that funny. Like, like that, like everyone went, went crazy over her inner monologue about her cats when she was picking lipsticks. And I'm like, y'all, <laughs> this is literally who she is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's one of my favorites. Um, I'd probably say I loved Sharon Needles. That was probably the one of the, when she had won her season, that was probably uh-huh. one of the first times that, Everyone was on board with the winner from the very beginning and was yes. excited. I think yes. I remember seeing footage of people in a in a in a club just like yelling like it was a sports arena when she won, and it was just like it was it was yeah. It, it, it solidified the fact that it's like the queer version of sports. <laughs> it, it really is, and I'd also say like for that season especially, like up until that point, Rue basically we all we all knew the open secret that Rue basically picked the winner that most resembled her drag career, and like BB and Tyra in the first two seasons, Raja. I don't know if it was true, if she promised Raja, if she promised it to Raja or not, but whatever. Raja, I, I, Raja's fears. Yeah, I mean, her. they obviously, they, yeah, they obviously knew each other in some capacity. So that was obviously borderline against the rules, but mm-hmm. she won anyways, and we have to deal with her. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, hey, hey, I do love, I love her. I love her in like, First of all, fashion photo review with her is amazing. I love, there was the Madonna episode where with the kimonos and she, and like my favorite thing about fashion photo review ever is watching Raja slowly lose her shit every time there's a kimono and then, and then crowning herself top, <laughs> and then crowning herself top two of the week because no one brought a good Madonna look in her opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's, so. that's pretty funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've, uh, I recently, um, one of the things that is coming out of the drag race community is, are these drag race tours. Have you heard mm-hmm. about these brunches that they've had? Have you ever been to one of those? Um, so they're like brunches or something. Well, I know they're doing like the virtual one where you stay in your car and they they have them like on stage apparently. And like, yeah. I don't know if they're on screens or whatnot. I haven't been to those. I went to, uh, I did battle of the seasons twice i did one in columbia missouri one which is about 90 minutes west of us for those who are listening and don't know small missouri towns like we do i did one in columbia missouri and then when i was doing some freelance writing we got press passes for one in um here in st louis and that one was that was actually that one was a lot more fun for me because i went in drag it granted it was kind of booger drag at the time but it was fun to get to interact like like before the show 
Katya was, I remember, I, I distinctly remember I was wearing this, it had mesh, it had stripes, it had stones, it was a mess. I still love that costume. And Katya wanted to buy it off me and I almost let her. But I had no change of clothes, so. Yeah, I was about to say, what would you have done if you sold it to her right then and there? You wouldn't have had any outfit. Would you swap outfits? I don't know well, what was she wearing that you I she was wearing like like her stand like something very similar. I, I'll send you the picture so we can like like talk that through because I probably could have fit it. I mean it was funny, it's like she took like seven she took like seven pictures with me because she loved it. I mean Sharon Needles, I remember also in that one, grabbed my phone, we did selfies, and she just kept bringing her face closer to the phone. So I have like 30 selfies on like with literally like there's no change until you like start rip like it's it, it's like a flip book, yeah. Like you, uh, you have to like click them, mm -hmm. click them through to like see the, the motion. Yeah, uh, I've been to a couple of a couple a couple of the big tours. Um, I like them. I just I don't know. I'm such a I'm such a girl that was born in drag in these hole in the wall bars, and there's just something about that. I just love the intimacy of a small drag show. When you get to like going to like the pageant, I don't know. It loses something for me. I still enjoy it, but yeah. Do you care to comment on that a little further as far as um, the fact that um, RuPaul's Drag Race has gotten so big that these queens, when they go to those bars that they typically do, they become massive events almost rather than just, you know, a little dog and pony show where they bring a mic and a, and a jukebox and they, you know, sing along to a, a pre-recorded track. Yeah. Yeah. So, like... So before, and I can say this now because the club's closed and I'm never going to get booked there because obviously we're, it's, it's closing down and they're turning it into something else, which upsets me. So back in the day, and even like recently, every time that we would bring a Rue girl into Attitudes Nightclub, it became a thing. We'd sell out. We would um, be, it, especially in the old days, like the real old days, like season four or five, when we would have, like, when we had like Sharon Deals, we had Jinx Monsoon. Um, for like especially it was on pride weekend we'd sell out it would be wall to wall it'd be crazy the most money i made at attitudes was the night that i performed with monique hart and it was pride sunday i literally mm. I, I distinctly remember and, it's, and 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 i also want to clarify for me drag is never about the money it's about the art drag, the money's a nice little bonus but again it's about the art mm. um I remember coming back after doing my number and someone like, I basically just put my tips on the stage. I, I literally could not keep carrying them. Like there was just so many. And I remember our stage kitten came back and he had uh, a mesh tank top with all my uh, tips in there. And he just poured it out on my station. And I just started crying because I'm like, this is like, like, and Monique was so happy for me too. Like Monique was mm. so happy that like, I, I made some good coin off of it. She she loved my number as well, which is a big compliment. But those days, no, like it is those those events are great, and I love that like we get we can pack the bar like that with a headliner. I just wish for the future going forward in a post-COVID world where we're allowed to go back to the bars, stand six feet up, apart or closer. I want the bars packed every night of the week with that same energy because it's great when you're there and you have a headliner and everyone's loving it. But when you're not there on a normal Friday night, when it's like a cast of six people who are just like, who are tipping around or, or trying to, you know, for me, I have a full-time job and this was kind of like my side hustle. 
And it just, it's really, I don't want to say disheartening, but it's, you know what? I will say it. I'm at, I'm at a 10-year point and I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm done kneecapping my statements. It's very disappointing when people can show up for that and not for a, a regular show. Like, I remember uh, Miss Cracker came through uh, right after season 10 and it was my birthday weekend. And this girl that I ran into said that she saw me at the Monique Hart show and I was great. And she wanted to know if I did this regularly. And it really upset me. Like, I was already in a bad mood for something else that day, I remember. And I'm like, I'm like, well, if you followed my Instagram or if you were here every Friday or Saturday night, you could know who's here. I didn't say it with a lot of malice, but just it really rubbed me the wrong way. Where I'm like, so you just come in for the Rue Girls, but you don't come and support the local scene. That's something, that's something else I'll say, and I'll let you you speak. So it is support your if you are listening to this, support your local drag scene. Tip these hoes. <laughs> My sentiments exactly. Um, I was actually just going to ask about that. Do you it, so you do see a difference in the regular nights that you work versus the ones for the drag race? Do you see the change in the style oh. audience or the the demographic? It, it usually, it varied on who the headliner was. For Shea Coulee, we were, I mean, like, we were at capacity. I remember specifically we, we were at capacity that night because everyone wanted to see her. Same with Monique Hart. Um, it just depends on who is coming, like, um, on, on who the headliner is. Sometimes we'll have a whole diversity. Sometimes it's just, like... With all due respect, it's sometimes the basic white girls who just watch Drag Race and don't come out for the weekend shows. And it's also, that's another point that I want to make as well, is if if they're going to be bringing in people from any other drag competition shows or people who are very well known in the drag scene, come and support them. Because I will say, I, I feel like I'm airing, airing my dirty laundry tonight, and you know what, I'm fine with it. Um, they brought two people in, there were two shows that we had with, uh, with uh, entertainers from Dragula. We had my sister, Bitch Puddin', and we had Victoria Elizabeth Black. And those shows did not sell out nearly to the point that, that the drag race shows sold out. And it kind of pissed me off because those two are very talented and very just incredible. I mean, like, it just, mm, I wish, I, I just, I wish people would just support drag, period, across the board. Absolutely. Especially after COVID is over. Um, and once we're able to ga gather, like, like Sarah said, just go support any queen that you admire from your local community because Shea Coulee would mm -hmm. have not had the support going into drag race for the very first time. If she was not solidifying her career here in the, in the city of Chicago, she would never have that. Correct. She would never have that following that was already thought of her as beloved and she could have maybe gotten halfway there. I don't know. Maybe she, I mean, she's great. She's a great performer. She always has done 100% amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. And she's also been a very big supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement and getting, um, I forgot her name. That's probably a good thing. The racist girl from Berlin. T-Rex. <laughs> T-Rex. Um, T-Rex. The... <laughs> we don't, we, we don't oh, talk about oh. her anymore. <laughs> no, no. It's like, it's, like Vol it's like Voldemort. She shall not be named. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, 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 no. Well, we could be talking but, yeah, about like, J.K. Rowling if that's the case. <laughs> oh, God, goodness, yeah. But <laughs> but um, that is 100% true. Um, I'm going to be a supporter of that going forward from now on because uh, I will be doing some live performing once events become a thing again. So I want everyone to perform 
yeah, little, oops, little, little news there, but, um, something I'm cooking up. Yeah. I mean, but you know, it's just like doing something creative in in public is a great way to build community. And that's more important than Mm -hmm. seeing a drag race or drag race race queen. You may never see again because they, their booking fee went up, you know, squiggle monsters got you down. Need a little pick me up for your rainy day. Check out the fabulous items we have in our online shop. We've got collages. We've got custom scratch prints. We'll even take your photo on a Game Boy camera. At Vicarious Media, we have something for the eccentric personality in your family. Shop vicariously at vicariousmedia.com forward slash shop. That's vicariousmedia.com forward slash shop. On that note, I guess we kind of hinted the fact there might be a little bit of it, even though it is a huge, big show that we all love and we will forever watch. There are some qualms with it. Uh, one item in particular is the um, when the show first started, they tried to do this like male thing that was kind of like Tyra male in America's Next Top Model. They called it yes. she male. Yes, know your history on that. You yes. got she male. And of course, uh, I don't know what what season that happened, but eventually it got to the point where there's a lot of backlash toward the producers of the show. Season six? Season six is when it happened. They they stopped it halfway through. And they stopped it halfway through. There was was an episode. I actually have the episode still where it, like, before they cut that. And there was, it wasn't so much the Tyra Mail parody of what happened, uh, Sid, it was in that same season, they did a mini challenge where um, they were showing the queens pictures of different, it was it was like close-ups of like an Adam's apple or boobs, and it was female or she-male. And that's where this whole thing popped off. This is where everything started. Like that's where, that like if you watch that episode on Hulu right now, or even like I have it on iTunes as well, that challenge has been completely removed from the episode. I still have the bootleg with it on there and I'm keeping it on there just for that, for that crazy reason. I mean, it, it's funny because back in the day I was in 2014, I was, you you know, I was not trans at at that point. And I, I don't know if we mentioned that at the beginning of this episode, but I am a trans woman. I did say that maybe, I don't remember. I said hormones. I remember that though. I was not a trans woman. I was still uh, AMAB and I was very pissy. Like they were trying to ruin my favorite show. And like looking back on that, I honestly cringe and I'm like, girl. But it's kind of like the starting block for pretty much every other issue with the trans community that has gone forward from this. And, like, you see a lot of the same behaviors as well. And I'm also going to just say something as well. I, do, I really appreciate that Carmen Carrera, who's a contestant on season three, was kind of the one to call out female or female and the you've got female thing. But I'm also going to tell you as well, from what I know from a lot of friends in the trans community, not just in drag, a lot of friends in the trans community as well, trans people can still be fucking assholes. And Carmen is definitely, like, exhibit one. Hmm. Yeah, I do remember earlier on, I think it was season two, there was um, 
there was a, the first queen to come out as trans on the reunion. Do you remember who that was? I'm trying to remember their name. So, Sonique. So, Sonique, Sonique, who's Sonique. lovely. Um, I, I love her. I thought that was really great for her to do that earlier on in the se the series, but um, it started to become a little bit more problematic when there were actually out trans drag artists. Do you know of any uh, specific uh, queens right. that might have limited their ability to get on the show because of that? Um, I can say for certain that, and I'm not trying to spill anybody's tea, I will, I will say that this is documented. You can go online, you can look it up. A lot of queens who have been on the show have delayed things in their transition to go on the show. Carmen is one of them for sure. Jiggly Caliente was another one. Peppermint was starting her transition on season nine. I can't remember what stage she was at, but she ended up coming out on the show. And I know that back in the day before she swore off auditioning and honestly good for her, I know that Imp Queen was sought after by the producers quite a bit. And, um, that she was delaying things in her transition to try and please the producers and get on the show. And it's really, <laughs> sorry. Um, it's really fucked up that uh, any trans person would have to delay something that makes them more holy themselves to, to try and get on a, t a television show. And that's their choice. I'm not, I'm not, I can't say one way or the other how to do, how to be on this show or do this. That is totally on them. But like, there's a lot that, I, that I'm sure you'll bring up and then we can go further in on about this show and its relationship with trans people, its relationship with casting practices. Yeah, um, I was actually going to uh, follow up on the, the whole Peppermint comment. Um, they had had her in boy drag dur during the confessionals as well. So of course she wasn't being her true self even on the show. I think it almost limited her availability, her ability to excel. Um, granted, she's still part of the RuPaul's Drag Race universe. She was part of um, here in Chicago. She came for a um, one of those RuPaul's Drag Race brunches things, and I got to check yeah. her in. Oh my gosh, her name is Caroline's Kaya. It was super sweet, she, gorgeous. Came from a, a show like many, like a few hours prior. Came on a flight. It was late at night. I checked her in at the hotel that I work at, and she asked me how I was doing. And I was like, "You're, you're, you're a freaking celebrity. You don't have to ask me who I am. I have to. I, it's my job to ask how you are, but not for me. The fact that she did that, even just like took that time out to ask how I was, was and especially after a long day of already doing another gig and coming into another one late at night, just blows it, my mind. It, and the fact that she can be her true self now versus then is just, it's amazing to see. I agree with you that like, she wasn't able to be her, her true self. And yet, like you said, like that's who she is. When I met her at RuPaul's Drag Con, um, that was right after I came out as non-binary. It was like maybe the same year or the year after. And I remember getting into her line. And when I got up to her, I, so if y'all can't figure out now, I talk a lot, a lot, a lot. And getting up to Pepper, getting up to Peppermint, I was very speechless. I just like, I thanked her for her visibility. I said, I'm not binary. And she gave me a hug and like, I, like she had a full line and she like talked to me for a solid two minutes and she was just mm, great. And I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about with the authentic, with the authentic nature of a lot of these, uh, a, a lot of these entertainers. Yeah. Another, um, there's a few types of people that are 
don't really get casted too much. One, the biggest one, obviously, Drag Kings. You know, where are the Drag Kings? Mm-hmm. Is there is that meant for a separate show? You know, when you go back to shows that are similar to Drag Race, like Dragula, we had... Um, Land Insider. Season... Land Insider, who ended up winning. Oops, winning. spoilers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But... Um, the, the fact that they had a drag king on there was great representation. When is Drag Race going to do that? Do you think they ever will? And um, if they do, how soon will that be? If that is okay. So how do I how do I sum this up succinctly? I don't know if it's World of Wonder. I don't know if it's RuPaul. Probably Ru. Um, but I just I don't think it's going to happen under Ru's ten Ru's tenure. And I think what pisses me off more than anything is when I see my trans sisters, like Sarah Andrews, who's an amazing, if y'all have not seen any of Sarah Andrews' digital drag that she's been doing in, in, in quarantine, she's got a YouTube page, look it up. It is amazing what she's been able to do with a green screen. And for those of you who also don't know, Sarah Andrews is pretty much, I'm sure, Rue's number one thorn in her side. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anytime that like a casting announcement comes out or a casting notice comes out, Sarah is on that shit like white on rice asking, where's the trans girls? I just, I like, I love Sarah so much because Sarah and I have talked a lot. We talk about, she's got her own hair uh, company, 1-800-WIG-TAKEOUT. And I have no experience with wigs. All of mine are very thirsty. So she's taught me how to kind of take care of mine a little bit. And Sarah has done a lot to kind of really call this double standard out. Because I don't know how many of y'all out there know, but if you're transgender and you can, and someone deems you unable to work in, a, in either a public or private sector job, your options become very limited, especially for trans women. Your options, options for jobs become very limited to either sex work or drag. And with World of Wonder and Rue cutting that part off, you're you're not only like pushing more trans women into um, sex work, you're also putting them in, in actual danger. Um, which I just mm. and there's just there's so much about that I that, that I want to say, but like I think what like I've I've given up hope on Drag Race getting their shit together. They've had multiple opportunities to do it. They just punt. They punt all the time. And the more that Sarah, I watch Sarah get frustrated. The more I watch other trans siblings get frustrated. The more I watch my AFAB entertainers, my uh, my drag kings. The more I watch them get more upset and more frustrated with this franchise. When you can look at, like you said, Dracula having a drag king and having Priscilla Chambers, who found herself on season three and, came, and ended up and ended up transitioning after the season. Uh, when you have Camp Winnikiki, who had a trans man who performs as a drag queen, and you had I, th- I think there was someone else who was non-binary and I can't remember who it was. Uh, when you have that, you have Drag Race Thailand, which cast two trans women in one season and one. Of them, one spoilers year ago. Don't care. The more <laughs> the more of these competition series that come along and cast people based on their talent and not their gender identity, the more Drag Race looks out of touch. I'm still one of those people who, when people say, "Well, why don't you just go create your own show?" It should not have to be that. 
We should just be welcoming these people who are just as talented on to this show with everybody else. And I will also say this as well. The reason that we fight so hard for Drag Race is because it has the biggest viewership. It's on VH1. It is regularly seen around the world. You don't have that with Dragula or Camp Wanakiki. Kind of goes back to what I was saying about the audience sizes for Rue Girls versus Dragula Girls when they would bring them in. It, it's all connected to that. And it's all because of this one thing that just needs to stop. We are fully at a point right now where we don't have time to be excluding anybody. And it's kind of why I still enjoy the show for what it is, but I've grown very sour with it. I just, once I came out as trans, and I'm sorry for rambling, <laughs> um, once I came out as transgender, I really started to see a lot of things wrong with the show. And then Rue made his comments in The Guardian, in, which is a UK newspaper, um, in 2018 about equating trans women taking hormones, having an unfair advantage to Olympians using steroids. And that rubbed me really wrong. And it just, and then he doubled down on it and he's never actually apologized. And when people ask him about it, he def deflects and it pisses me off so much. It's honestly why, like, there's a number of reasons that I quit my hosting gig. Uh, not getting paid was the big one, but I just can't, I can't support and lift a show up uh, anymore that does not see me as valid and my drag is valid. Mm -hmm. And my, like one of my best friends, Ryder, who cultivated my drag and booked me when no other person in this crown and gown town would book me. I just can't do this. And I, I can't actively support with dollars a show that won't support me and my community in turn. You had mentioned Ryder. I totally remember Ryder from when I lived in St. Louis and I love them so much. And they always cultivated their communities well. Should we petition for Ryder to be like, you know, the host of RuPaul's Drag King race? We should totally do that. Let's do that. Let's rally. Let's start a petition. I mean... <laughs> Let's start canvassing door to door. We can't, we can be like, jo yeah, yeah, Joe Biden's Biden's great, but what about Ryder? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny, know. right? That'd be yeah, a really I don't know if, pull one underneath. I don't know. If, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if Ryder would go for that though. But I mean, like, we we could we couldn't even get them to audition for Dragula, and I'm like, come on! And Ryder's like, I don't want to do extermination challenges, and I'm like, I can't blame you. Yeah, I don't think I could eat bugs or get tattooed or pierced or whatever. Maybe tattooed. Um, I've never gotten a tattoo, but like. I think I would never be able to like have them put needles in my body. That's something I would never want to do. And that's just, the one the, I would never get far in that show. Out of all their stuff, out of every one that they've done, the only one I couldn't do is the is, is the nails or the the, um, the needles. I could not do that. I can barely get blood draw blood draws done, and I get them done every three months now. Yeah, that's so so crazy. Um, so we are taping this on a day. Um, it's kind of a somber moment. Um, I yeah. didn't bring it up because it is someone you had mentioned. Um, can you mm -hmm. talk about who recently passed away from the drag race community? Yeah. And it just, it's really tragic when there's so much in there because so Chi Chi Devane, who was on season eight placed fourth and she was on all stars three, uh, passed away today. And, I can't remember. She'd been in and out of the hospital. I know she had kidney failure at one point and she had pneumonia. She'd been in and out of the hospital for at least a month from what I saw on my social media. And it's just devastating. It really is. 
Um, Chi Chi was 34. I'm 32 years old. And it just like, I was just like, like it blew my mind. Like how, like, just like, just how young she was. And I, I loved Chi Chi. I loved her energy. There's, there's very few entertainers that encompass all of drag for me. The heart, the energy, the beauty, the craziness. I, I, I just, she was everything. And I got, I, I was very, I was fortunate enough to get to see her um, when she was in St. Louis. And just from the first number, my jaw was just on the floor. And it, and it remained there for the rest of the show. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, so such a, such a very, great performer. Yeah. It's it's always really sad when people pass away at a young, especially now. Thirty four is a young age, mm -hmm. and um, to to have to only refer to the, their life as a legacy that they've left is something that we need to really inspire to do ourselves right now. You know, Correct. we as I mentioned earlier, we are national treasures to this world, and we need to create our own legacy to how we want to be remembered by. Because if we don't have that kind of legacy, no one's going to want to come to our funeral <laughs> or, yeah. you know, or remember us. Uh, it's yeah. really sad feeling, but, um, but that's why I like to get people like you on who are, you know, who's doing it their own selves. Um, I do want to touch on the fact that I did. I, I do want to touch on the fact that I did break up with you and I always feel really bad. And I want to say this Aww. on air because, <laughs> because I, I did it because, I kind of knew what your happiness was going to be, but I didn't know how yet. And I think letting you go was something that you needed for yourself, for you to find your own mm -hmm. individuality, to decide who you are and to find someone that loves you for who you are. And I still do that, but in a way that's more of a friend. And I don't want you to think that like I abandoned you or anything, but um, to see no. you excel in drag to, to, to come out as trans and to start seeing you live your life in a happy way. Like watching you on Instagram and Facebook, those little moments where like the, when you got your ID for the first time, like those little moments, it reminds me to cherish those moments that I have too, you know? And I think that you are an inspiration to other people. So I wanted you on the show because of that. And I just wanted to say all that and I'm happy for you. And I think I'm speculating. I'm telling my friends that you're um, going to be on Drag Race season 13. <laughs> like I knew her when. <laughs> no, no. Um, well, I will say like, for one, um, thank you. I like, I hate to get like Sally Jesse Raphael on the, up this bitch right now, but like, <laughs> it's like when you asked me to be on this podcast, like I texted my maid of honor for, uh, for my wedding, who I've known since we were in my junior year of college, um, like right before I actually met you. And it's funny because she goes, you're doing a podcast with them? She, and I go, yeah. She goes, have you talked to them since you two broke up? I go, on Facebook? But oh, this is like the first time face to face. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so the other thing is, that's, it, it, that, that is very sweet. And like, Back in the day, eight years ago, which is mind-boggling to think that's how long it's been, um, I was still It feels not like sure. a long time, doesn't it? Especially since it a lot really... of, yeah, a lot of things have happened for both of us. Well, not only that, 2020 just feels like a full fucking decade at this point, and I'm just like... Yes. <laughs> but, 
a lot has happened for both of us. And like, I, I, here's something that I can tie. Well, here's something I can tie back into this, into, into this topic. Um, when I went to DragCon for the first time, and, you know, I met RuPaul at, the po- at that point, and someone, I'm not going to name them because they're kind of douchey, at least when I, when I met them in person. Someone <laughs> referred to, to Ru at, in their, um, in Ru's little, like, meet and greet thing. Like, it's like being in, like, the Hall of Presidents. That's how dead he looked in my photos. Like, I was posing with, like, a mannequin. <laughs> and after, like, I had brought my copy of RuPaul's biography, Letting It All Hang Out. Um... And I read it on the plane. I'd, I'd already read it, like, twice at that point. And it's, it, like, I will say, like, if it's a marketing play by whatever, I don't really care. But if you look at, like, I read it on the, pl- on the plane ride back to St. Louis. And there's a chapter in there where he talks about his mom passing. And he believes that the grudge, this is very new agey, I will point this out, and, and Rue, if you listen to What's the Tea, Rue is very new agey, Eckhart Tolle, all that bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. Rue talks about how he thinks that a grudge that his mother held against his father for years, for like 30 years after they split up, festered into her and became the cancer that eventually ended up killing her. And I honestly, something about that stuck with me because I am a very big believer in positive and negative energy. I will say that in, in terms of my new agey thing. So I'll tell, and I'll tell the listeners on here. One of the first things I did when I got home from DragCon was I sought you out and we, we talked it out. And it was, it was awkward, but we got to a place where we can be like casual acquaintance friends again. And I was told, and I was fine with that. And then like, it's, it's growth. It's growth on my part, and it's growth on your part, and yeah. And and by the way, I don't don't think I don't see you trying to take credit for all this. <laughs> <laughs> I still might try. I might try, but you know, that's just being Sparkle Sid. You know, he's just taking credit for yeah. everything that he might have just pointed at. <laughs> <laughs> just pointed at. Oh my the, god. <laughs> The fact of the matter is we can still come together and share our love over one show that we bonded over from the very beginning. And I think that's one thing that people need to, sh- to see that yes. our, our love of certain media can transcend things that we have done yes. for each other or to each other. Yes. Correct. And, um, and go ahead. Well, I was going to, I was just going to shade you a little bit and say, and I just want to point out y'all like, while I got, while I've got time on air, Every time that there would be a lip sync for your life and I would start listening to the song and I never heard it before, this one over here would get so frustrated with me that that was the first time I was experiencing that song was through RuPaul's Drag Race. (laughs) And it's so funny because I feel like I do the same thing for people that I know now. I'm like, well, how do you not know that? You know, and I think, you know, that's probably why I started this podcast because I'm like, y'all need to know what Xanadu is. Y'all need to know what game shows I watched because... These are my formative years. You know, y'all should know me already, but you don't. It's, it's, well, well, and it's so funny to think of, like, other things that, like, introduced me to that have, like, taken off, like, the Eurovision Song Contest. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yes. And, yes. Um, um, the other the other thing that I was going to say was, like, in you in terms of you being, like, how do, how do you not know this? There was last season, on season 11, they had a lip sync by uh, to a, a Sheena Easton song. 
nobody in the bar audience except for yeah. me and my host knew, knew who it was. And I'm like, it's Sheena fucking Easton. How do you not yeah. know this? I'm trying to remember what song was it? Was it Sugar Walls? That's the only song that I know from Sugar no, it was, off the top of my head. It was, no, it was Strut. Strut's actually my favorite. Okay. I've actually okay. got, I, I've actually, yeah, I've got that album actually, which that's another thing you introduced me to was vinyl and I've got my own vinyl now. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, I well, I started with I had at one time nine full crates of records. Now I only have two. <laughs> I've gotten That's rid of crazy. a lot, <laughs> but yeah. it's fun. I finally got it in my new apartment, and it finally helps to remind me of what it means to be home because I don't really have a home. My parents live in Nashville now, and they lived in Dallas mm -hmm. at one time, and since they moved from St. Louis, so I I had to kind of find my own home, which is why I moved right. to Chicago and came back eventually. So. Everyone has to find, has to be lost to find their way. And I think that's what mm -hmm. it all comes down to. And we find Correct. it in Drag Race, and we find it in all the things that we love. Now, on that note, are you interested in some trivia, Sarah Darling? Yes, I am. Let's, let's see if this Rain Man thing ends up happening. Go ahead. Yes. Okay. So... One of the one of the main things that I Sparkle Sid is uh, inspired by is game shows, and of course, I naturally my favorite segment every year on Drag Race is the Snatch, Snatch Game. game. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I wasn't sure if you, you knew where I was going there. I, Are you I, able? I, uh huh. <laughs> Are you able to name as many of the winners of Snatch Game as you can? You yes, can I just can. say the uh, queen. You do you want to go? How about this? Can you go in order from season two on? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. If I gave you hints, Let's... if I gave you, if I gave you hints, I could help. Yeah, I'll help you with some hints, but it'll be visual hints, so no. One you mean you mean I, I think I, you're I, the smartest person because I'll be giving yeah. you all the hints. Well, I may not need the hints. So okay, so season two was Top Tiana with Britney Spears. Okay. Season three was yep. uh, season three. Season... Stacey Lane Matthews with Monique. Yep. Season mm -hmm. season four. Season, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Season four was Chad Michaels with Cher. Obvious, yes. Yeah. Season five, Jinx, Mon Jinx Monsoon with Little Edie. Yep. Oh my gosh, you're doing really well. Season six. Vendela Creme with Maggie Ooh. Smith as the Dowager Countess from Downton Abbey. Right. Oh my God! Excuse yeah. me, we invented a language. language. Oh my God, I love that episode. I love that. Uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, season seven. Season seven was a tie. Uh, there's two Ginger winners Minge. actually. Yeah, there's yes. two. Ginger Minj as Adele, and Kennedy Davenport uh -huh. as Little Richard. Woo! Shut up. Oh, and I, oh, I miss, I miss for Little Richard. I, oh, did yeah. you know one time he, uh, Little Richard lived in the Pe Peabody Hotel in uh, Memphis, Tennessee? Like, I think that's where he passed away. That's crazy. Like, he lived in a hotel where ducks swam in the in the pond. Like, what? <laughs> I never saw him, though, every that's time I was crazy. there. I'd be like, where's Little Richard? Can I just be like, ah, ooh, and I could be like, ah, ooh, and is that, that's his call or something, mating call or something. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, um, anyways, okay. uh, season eight. Season eight. Eight. Bob the drag queen as was the winner both, of that one. Is that helps too? Yeah, and Bob had two characters. Bob was Uzo Aduba and Carol Channing. Yes. Season nine. Season nine was Alexis Michelle as Liza Minnelli. Yep. 
Lazzarini. Oh, I remember that one. That one was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 10, season 10. Season 10 was Aquaria with Melania Trump. Mm-hmm. Yep. And any then hole, hole 11. Season 11 what? was, I just, I was saying any hole is a goal. Season 11 was. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, any hole is a goal. Season 11 was Silky Nutmeg <laughs> Ganache as T.S. Madison. Mm-hmm. And um, season... Tw- most recently, was- season 12. This is the one that I'm trying to remember who it was. Because um, I, I tuned in she and out. Very, she was very um, stiff, if that helps you. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> it was... Ah, how What's up, bitch? Oh, um, oh, it was Gigi Good as uh, Maria the Robot. Sophia the Robot, Maria the Robot, whatever they, whatever they say totally, together. Oh, my God. Um, I can do the other ones. Yes. I, can, do, I can do all stars. I, I was about to say, do you want to do all stars? Uh, Let's uh, do it. Let's start with, see, I think, season two Season two of all stars. Yes. Season two is where they started with Snatch Game. Season one had, uh, yes. like, the, the laughing thing. Um Season yeah, two because was, they always have because they yeah because they always have because they always have two winners up until you get to All Stars five. It was Alaska as Mae West and Katya uh, as yep. Bjorn. <laughs> um, wait, was that oh. the same season? Katya? Oh yeah, they did tie. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I forgot yeah, about yeah. that. Oh. Well, yeah, because it was always top two All Stars until season five, where there was only the one in the lip sync assassin. So. Right. Okay. Okay. All Stars three, three was season three. Shangela as Jennifer Lewis, which also I, I, I should point out before I go on, on to the next one. Jennifer Lewis is from St. Louis. She graduated from my university. I love her. That's I cool. That's your, good. That's good little trivia for sure. Yeah, I love Jennifer nice. Lewis so much. Um, and the other one to win was Vendela Creme as Paul Lind, which I it's mm-hmm. still my favorite Snatch Game impression of all time. Hmm. I'm a huge fan of Paul Lind. I secretly think I'm reincarnated by partially Paul Lind. One piece. <laughs> just a little bit. Just like, yeah. maybe like, maybe like a mile worth. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, what was, um, uh, season four was Snatch Game of Love. Uh, this one had two uh, different winners, I think. Uh, the first, I Trinity the Tuck as Caitlyn Jenner. Malibu, baby. And um, yeah. <laughs> and, and Manel Luzon as either the most accurate or the most offensive Barbara Streisand I've ever seen. Oh, I mean, you you got a shock to make fun of Barbara Streisand. I think I think you just need to just go for it, and and she won't. She doesn't watch the show. I feel like she's no. like she's she knows she's the national treasure already. She's got elves working in her in her home basement in her home, like in, in the mall in the mall <laughs> in her basement. And then uh, the most recent one right. was All Stars. All Stars Five with Shea Coulee's Flavor Flav. Yes, yeah, that one was really good. Um, did you want to dive into the other the the other spinoffs like Thailand, Canada, and um, in terms uh, of Snatch UK, Game? UK. In terms of Snatch Game, I can tell you now right now that the only one that I know that won was because I have, I've been keeping up with Canada, but I have not been watching. I just want to also say while well, I've got the airtime that Jeffrey Boyer Chapman's an asshole and needs to learn how to be a better judge. I have to say he's taking, I, he's relying too much on that body, you know, like mm-hmm. seriously, he's really hot, but that's all he's got. You know, like, I feel like he's trying too hard. Like there was a, the most recent episode, I'm not really 
they, he's mm -hmm. ho a host of this pageant essentially they do yeah and he's not good at all he's like over to he's like over like how you doing uh, i'm like you don't need to be like hacky like that just just be a host, no you be know? yourself be yourself Anyways. don't try to be someone else i will say before i go into drag race you can exactly. if someone um if i was someone whose best imdb credits were three seasons of unreal on lifetime and being Rue's bitch on every All-Stars and um, season nine. I forgot about Yeah, he was on season nine I as a guest judge. <laughs> well, he was on season nine I as a guest judge. He was in, in All-Stars three, 3 with The Bitchler. Uh, he was The Bachelor for that, for that episode. Uh, that's actually, you know what's funny is, I will say this about um, Chi Chi, a, a nice Chi Chi Devane memory. There's a point where they're in this hot tub. It's her, Shangela, and Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. And uh, Shangela says she's got something that she wants to ask you. And she leans in real close. And she leans in and says in, like, the deepest voice, you want to have my baby? And I just, it's, like, <laughs> one of my favorite moments. I love that so much. But if, no, if, if, if my two credits were Drag Race... Yeah like being Rue's bitch and um, unreal. <laughs> I wouldn't talk that much shit, especially with that much wrong eye makeup girl. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, it, it, okay, so the only spinoff that I know uh, winner-wise, there was a, was there a tie on, I can't remember. Yes, no? Uh, on UK, there was, yes. Yeah, so it was, there was so a tie. It, yeah, so it was the Vivian as Donald Trump and Bag of Chips as Margaret Thatcher. Indeed, indeed. Both, but, which I think is funny because both of them are like, you know, people in politics, mm -hmm. which I thought, the rest yes. I think we're all um, generally. Sloppy. Yeah, yeah. I'm but to I, I liked yeah. that. That was, they were all really funny. Um, my fave was Blue Hydrangea making Mary Berry like super fucking horny. And I was just. <sighs> yeah. I was literally like, well, and, then, and what cracked me up is like, she made her so horny, but the woman never said soggy bottom once. And I'm like, you are missing jokes. Right? Where are the jokes? Where are the jokes? Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised uh, they didn't do, they when they did Mary Berry, they didn't do anything like, it's got a lovely crunch because that means it was burnt. She says it just like, as it's like a nice thing. Like she could have said yes. something about like, like one of her lovers was, you know, how she described one of her lovers. It's got a lovely crunch, but what <laughs> could it like? She missed, like she missed the mark. I love. I will say, out of that season, Blue Hydrangea Ranger was probably one of my faves. I loved her a lot. Like she really grew on me, and she had some great looks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have one more question so. for you. Kind of fun one. If you were a production assistant uh -huh. on Drag mm -hmm. Race. What kind of production assistant would you be? Would you be the one who's submissive, who's submissive to RuPaul? Or would you be the one who talks back? Would you be the horny one that just fucks all the queens? Which one would you be? <laughs> well, I don't want to be the horny one because that's how you end up in Willem's book. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> um, and for those who and for those who have read Suck Less and don't know what I'm talking about, go back to the go back to the multiple choice quiz. You'll know exactly what I'm talking. You'll know what I'm talking about. Yep. I wouldn't be the horny one. I'd like to. I'd like to think that I'm the one that stands up to Rue. Um, I don't even know if I'd be on that set. To be quite honest, I'd probably <laughs> be the one that stands up to Rue and gets fired like Delta did. Yeah. Yeah. You 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 would go like way against your non-disclosure agreement and you'd be kicked out of the show early on. <laughs> 
You would you would spoil all the queens yeah. for everybody. <laughs> You'd be that PA who like spoils all the queens prior to the show area. I've known friends who've had friends on the show and couldn't confirm it to me. So I had to go like Woodward and Burns. It was when Moni, the biggest one I remember was when Moni Cart went, was on. Mm-hmm. And I asked a friend in Kansas City, and I did what's known as the Woodward and Burns scene, which, it, which if, if you've read All the President's Men, the way they get a, a confirmation on something with Nixon is he counts to 10 and he says, stop me. All you have to do is stop me. You don't have to confirm it or deny it. You just have to say anything. But if I count to 10 and you haven't said anything, I'm going to go with it. And he gets a 10 and I would say that's it. So I, I use that same thing where I said, if Monique's on Drag Race, I'm just going to count to 10. You don't have to say it. You're not going to get in trouble for it. I'm, I'll just create my own opinion. So I counted to 10, nothing. She was on. So, and and also as someone who's already on Reddit, like I, like, especially like when I was doing the hosting thing and I, I kind of wanted a sense of where the episodes were going to go if I had to like intervene Mm-hmm. or like wrangle my audience yeah for sure <laughs> yeah well on that note i would love to thank you for your time you have been so generous in your information you are thank you so amazing and i appreciate everything that you've done uh where can people find you on social media uh helena handbag sarah jameson etc cetera, etc cetera. who do you want to go by yeah and where can they find so you? yeah so yeah so the best two that i'm using right now um my Facebook's more for family and friends at this point. And I mean, everything that I post to Instagram gets posted there anyway. So if you're just following me on Instagram, you're going to see what's on my Facebook for the most part. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Helena, H-E-L-E-N-A, two underscores. So it's Helena underscore underscore handbag, H-A-N-D-B-A-G. Um, I'm also on TikTok under that same name. I've been making more more videos until, you know, the U.S. government actually bans it. And um, you can also find me on, you can find me on YouTube as well. Search for Helena Handbag. You'll find my videos. Hit subscribe. You'll, you'll, you'll know when I upload new stuff. And you can also find me, I host three different podcasts under, one under my drag name, two under my given name. So we do, we have Hello Uglies, which is a Dragula recap podcast. We're currently on hiatus because Dragula's on hiatus. Mm-hmm. And I host I Am No Man, which looks at women asterisk in media. And we have Prevent, uh, Prevengers Presemble, which is a uh, M- Marvel Cinematic Universe look back as well. So all of those are available wherever you podcast. Feel free to subscribe. Only subscribe on iTunes. Review. Don't be like the di- on iTunes Available on iTunes. <laughs> I honestly miss that, but I don't. I, I do and I don't. It's yeah. Now it's in, in rather than the show being more of like a uh, commercial uh, oddity for RuPaul herself, it's now for other sponsors now. You know, and and it's almost like sponsors that don't make sense sometimes. Like the prizes, the people that win prizes for specific sponsors, you're like, they have nothing to do with Drag Race. Why are they on? The, why are they throwing their money at the show? You know, obviously, my f- <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, I mean, my fave is still the meme that came out of season nine where Sasha won a challenge where she had like beard cream or like something like that. And she's bald, or, like, hair products yeah. and she's bald and she won a year of free burgers and hamburger Mary's and she's a vegetarian. I was literally like, this is everything. Yeah, it's it's really wild how that works, but um, it's it's a really wild show. But the fact that we still love it and can talk about it in this capacity is one of the most beautiful things. 
on that note, Sarah, thank you again for your, mm -hmm. uh, for everything. And um, we'll definitely be in touch. Thank you for having me. Thank you. For more information about today's guest or the media we mentioned in today's episode, please see the show notes in your local podcasting app or visit vicuriousmedia.com slash podcast. This is Sparkle Sid signing off for another episode of Super Funkin' Serious. We hope to see you next Thursday for another fantastic episode of Cheeky Chat. Now let the music play. Yeah.